Welcome to the Positive Sports Podcast. I'll be your host this afternoon, Ed Montana. As you can see, I'm flying solo today. Alex is busy. Heck, we've both been really busy lately. And so we missed a week of podcast and sports talk with uh, with my brother and myself. But I'm back and I got some stuff to talk about. For those of you that have followed this podcast, you guys know my feelings about the NBA playoffs. It's too much. There's too many rounds of playoffs. There's too many teams that make it. The first round doesn't matter. Blah, 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 blah. Right? And one of my big complaints about the 16-team format and that extra round of playoffs was injuries. Well... This year, we got a pretty decent first round of playoffs. And now, in the second round, is when we're starting to have injuries. And we've got some really big issues that are really going to affect how these series play out and ultimately who our NBA champions going to be in a few weeks. Um, Let's start over in the East, where you've got Atlanta and Philadelphia that series is now tied at two, but the big issue there is Joel Embiid. Now, he played the last game. Uh, he played well in spite of the injury, but he's still hurt, and he's still hurt going into tonight's game five, which, as everyone knows, game five is a pivotal, pivotal game. Uh, the winner of game five usually goes on to win the series, I'd say, probably about 75 80% of the time. So game five is a big deal. And, you know, we just don't know how healthy Embiid is. Now, this Atlanta team is, in my opinion, performing better than they actually are. Trey Young is the real deal. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but let's face it. He doesn't have much help, and yet somehow this team is hanging around and doing an excellent job in this series against uh, the Sixers. I thought the Sixers would handle them easily. Embiid getting hurt certainly changes things. Uh, Atlanta came out smoking in Game 1. Uh, to take that game, but obviously I, they couldn't keep that up. I mean, we just knew they weren't going to shoot 70% the rest of the series. It just wasn't going to happen. And now, you know, we've got a a closer series between the two, but I still think Philadelphia is the better team. If Embiid's healthy, for sure, for sure, if Embiid's healthy, they win this series. In fact, I think they win it in six. Um, Atlanta came back and really pulled out a gutsy win uh, night before last. But other than that, this, this series really has um, has the markings of a Philadelphia team that, that should advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think they will. I think that um, I think the Sixers, even with Joel Embiid at 70% or 50% or whatever he's at, they're good enough to go ahead and win this series. Um, they're good enough to go ahead and and uh, and really, you know, cement themselves. They're the one seed for a reason, right? Um, and I think that they are going to show out that they are the best uh, the best team in the Eastern Conference, with the exception of the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, that that has to be hashed out at some point. But <clears throat> look, the Sixers are really good. Doc Rivers is a great coach, and I think. The Sixers are going to pull this out. The other series in the East is the Brooklyn-Milwaukee series. And now this one, again, has injuries on the team that was favored to win the series. 
James Harden first with a hamstring issue, and then Kyrie Irving with a nasty, nasty ankle sprain. He landed awkwardly on someone else's foot. Looked awful. I mean, it looked, it looked to me like he broke the damn thing. I don't know how it's only a sprain, but that's what it is. But he's not expected to be back. It's certainly not for Game Six. Now the Nets, the Nets looked in trouble yesterday in Game Five. They came out kind of flat, and the Bucks were firing on all cylinders. But it came back to bite the Bucks in the end. The same thing that always comes back to bite the Bucks in the end: terrible free throw shooting and an over reliance on the Greek freak on Giannis. Look, Giannis is great. But when you get to the NBA playoffs, when you get to these tight possession-by-possession games, you have to have more options than that. And Chris Middleton didn't help him out, and Drew Holloway helped, but just not enough. And they ended up blowing, they had a 17-point lead at one point. They ended up blowing that to a Nets team that only had Kevin Durant, although he scored 49. He put the team on his back and, and carried the way. And injured James Harden, who... You know, for for all of his, all of the criticism that James Harden gets about his defense, on some critical possessions, played some incredible defense, and you know he's not a hundred percent, and no Kyrie Irving. So the Bucks really wasted an opportunity to go up three two. I felt last night and take the series back to Milwaukee where they could you know wrap it up in Game Six. Now they've got to win at home in Game Six. Not an insurmountable task, especially without Kyrie Irving and an injured James Harden on the Nets um, starting five, but not an easy task either. It basically, it'll be the same game we saw last night, only now it's going to be in Milwaukee, and sure, home cooking should help a little bit, but who knows, right? I think they win that game. I think they push it to a game seven, and quite frankly, once you get to a game seven, all bets are off, especially if Harden goes down more seriously than he's hurt now. He really battled, and uh, Doc Rivers called him a soldier. He's not a soldier. But he really did tough it out yesterday with a with a bum hamstring. And, you know, look, if it gets worse, it's going to be a problem. They're, they're going to play They're going to play with only Kevin Durant. And I don't know that Kevin Durant can... Look, if there's someone in the league that can drop in 50 every night, it's probably Kevin Durant. But... I don't know that he can do it three games in a row if, if they end up losing this game six. It is not going to be easy. I almost want to pick the Bucks to win this series simply because I don't think Kyrie Irving's going to be back. And I don't think James Harden is going to get 100% in this series. And I don't trust... I, I just don't think Kevin Durant can drop in 50 every night the way he did last night. I have a, I have a bad feeling about the game in Milwaukee. And then... Game 7, without a healthy James Harden to help take the load off of Kevin Durant and no Kyrie Irving. This may be the Bucks that win this series. Moving on to the West. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about the series that's over. Um, because that actually has some injury news now that will... Um, that will influence things going forward. But you've got the um, you've got the uh, <clears throat> Phoenix Suns, 
who dispatched of the uh, Denver Nuggets and your uh, your MVP Nikola Jokic, who you know played great, but the, the Suns were just too much, and um, <clears throat> they ended up sweeping the Nuggets. Uh, Jokic actually got ejected in Game Four for just being a dumb dumb, uh, <laughs> just arguing and getting in people's faces and wanting to fight. He was he was clearly frustrated. Did not have the best series, and he struggled. And that's that, right? That's the way it goes sometimes. But the big news is Chris Paul has entered the COVID nineteen virus protocol, which means he's out indefinitely. Now, the series with the the Western Conference Finals series probably won't start for another four or five days, so that could give him some time. But, you know, he could be out for as much as two weeks. And look, that Suns team is good. Devin Booker is great. DeAndre Ayton is fantastic in the middle. Great inside-outside presence. But Chris Paul is the engine that makes that team go. As old as he is, people talk about him being 38 and, you know, his year, his best years are behind him. He is playing top-notch, high-quality basketball. He is the undisputed leader on that team. He is the engine that makes that team go. And I'll tell you right now, if he's out, it's a considerably different team. Probably the most dramatic injury we could see out of any of the teams that are left in the playoffs. It, it will make a significant difference. Now... They don't know who their opponent is yet. It could be Utah. It could be the Clippers. That series is 2-2. But regardless, both of those teams are going to be extremely difficult for the Suns to deal with without the presence of Chris Paul. How long is he going to be out? No one knows. It's indefinite right now. But this is the quirk of making it to the NBA Finals. This is the quirk of winning an NBA championship. And championships in general. I've said this all along. Yeah, you have to be good. Yeah, you have to be consistent. Yeah, you have to have stars and talent. Yeah, but you also need a little bit of luck. And usually that revolves around injuries. And we're seeing it here. The Suns could have a very, very significant man, a very significant part of their starting five missing from their roster come game one of the Western Conference Finals. And that is bad luck right there. The other series going on in the West is the Utah Jazz and the Clippers. Now, this series is tied at two. We have Game 5 tonight. This has been a fantastic series to watch. Donovan Mitchell uh, has played well, gotten hurt, and so he's got a bit of an injury issue to deal with. But the big news comes out of L.A., where Kawhi Leonard is likely not to play in Game 5. He's actually out indefinitely. Couldn't miss the remainder of the series against the Jazz. And look... Kawhi Leonard is a top star in this league, but more importantly, he is a clutch, clutch basketball player. The Clippers lost the first two games in Utah, came back, won the next two games in L.A., now they go back to Utah for Game 5. And look, there is no one better in the NBA right now when it comes to fourth-quarter magic and clutch shots than Kawhi Leonard. That's right, I said it. Kawhi Leonard is the most clutch player there, there is in the league right now. And for him to not be on the floor and have put all of the onus on <clears throat> put all of the onus 
uh, on Paul George, yikes. Because there's a difference there. They're both very talented. They're both very good basketball players. But when it comes to clutch time, who do you want the ball in? Who, whose hand do you want the ball in? I want it in Kawhi Leonard every day of the week and twice on Sunday. It's, it is incredibly, incredibly important for the Clippers to get Kawhi Leonard back. Having to do this with Kawhi Leonard, man, it smells like trouble to me. And it smells like a... It, like it's just going to be a quick game five and game six. I am fearful that the Clippers may be done. I know Alex was real high on the Clippers before the playoffs started, and I was too. I thought that they would be very, very tough, a very, very tough out, and likely they would beat the Jazz. But now without Kawhi Leonard, man, this is getting, it's getting very difficult, very difficult for the Clippers. I don't think they do it. I think the Jazz hold on here. And advance, and then you could have the Jazz and the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, one versus two, chalk chalk rules. Um, but with no Chris Paul, that that'll be a totally different series. The first couple of games, if he's not available, very very interesting stuff. The second round of the playoffs has been very entertaining. Uh, the Suns in Denver was the only series that was a sweep. Um, every other series is going to go six, possibly seven games. So it's been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of ups and downs in, in these games. Um, the games have gone back and forth. The second round of the playoffs is a lot of fun. And and, and look, again, I, st- I stand by my comment in spite of the good first round that we had. We can do away with the first round of the playoffs. We can we can totally do away with it. Let's start with, with four from each conference, and let's just do the second round of the playoffs, make that the first round of the playoffs, and then have the conference finals and then the NBA finals. This round of playoffs has been must-watch TV. Uh, I have been glued to my TV watching these basketball games. It's been a ton of fun, and it will likely continue to be that way. For those of you out there that like to interact with us, you can email the show, positivesports10 at gmail.com, positivesports10 at gmail.com. You can reach my brother Alex on the Twitter sphere at Brooklyn Gaucho one and you can reach me on Twitter as well at emontana21. Uh, you can catch the podcast on YouTube if you want to watch, or if you want to listen, you can catch it on Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Moving on... Um, the topic of the week in baseball is this memo that has come out about pitchers using foreign substances. Now, just to give everyone some background, uh, it's been a few years now where players have been able to, um, players and organizations have been able to get their hands on data related to spin rates and found you know, larger movement of the baseball with more spin per minute. In order to get more spin, you need better grip, right? Better grip on the seams. A lot of times you'll hear pitchers complain about uh, the fact that they they want um, baseballs with higher seams on them so they can get better grip. So, as you can well imagine, as, as spin rate has become a thing, so has ways to improve that uh, that grip, right? And 
a lot of stuff that a lot of stuff's come out that you can use for grip, right? The allowable things to use are rosin and uh, you know your fingers, your hands. Uh, but you know, baseball has for years tried to doctor up. Baseball has a baseball pitchers have a history of wanting to doctor up baseballs to get movement to. Uh, get players to miss miss on balls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's a long history, right? Uh, you have guys that have been scuffing baseballs to get better grip, to get more movement. You have guys that have put Vaseline on the ball to get it a little slick so it's harder to hit it square. Um, there have been guys that have, you know, cut the cut the seams, right, with a wedding ring or whatever, have cut the seam of the baseball in order to uh, create more movement, right? To make the ball kind of wobbly. Um, but the only allowable substance is rosin. And rosin is provided by MLB, put behind the mound, and that's what you're allowed to use. You're not allowed to go to your mouth. Uh, you're not allowed to put anything else on the baseball. And this has been going on forever. This cat and mouse game of putting stuff on the baseball by pitchers has been going on since the beginning of time. Well, maybe not since the beginning of time, but since the beginning of baseball, right? And now pitchers have found some stuff that really works, right? Specifically pine tar and, and uh, another substance called spider tag. Now, there's plenty of blame to go around here, right? MLB knew this was a problem a few years ago, right? They knew, they knew that baseballs were starting to get sticky. And so they've been looking into this issue for a while. In March of this year, they told teams that they were going to start gathering data to evaluate what was going on. It became apparent that spin rates had gone up even more this year than last year. Strikeouts are going up. Walks are going down. Uh, balls in play are going down. And so, you know, obviously, uh, they've collected baseballs from every single team. Uh, you know, so they know that there's a lot of stuff on the baseballs. And so they they sent out a kind of a casual warning last week that they were going to crack down last week or two weeks, actually it was two weeks ago, that they were going to crack down on this stuff. Now they had told Major League Baseball teams, they, they had told all the teams back in March that they were collecting data and they were going to crack down. And we saw a couple of instances of players being checked by umpires having to switch out their hat because it had uh you know sunscreen and rosin on the tip you know they had they had put sunscreen on their arms it was a day game put sunscreen on their arms grab the rosin bag you know kind of mix the two to create some tack put it on their hat so that they had it readily available and you know made a guy change out his hat so we've seen little instances of umpires starting to starting to check, starting to look to see what the deal was. And finally, yesterday, MLB came out with uh, a memo to all 30 teams with a policy of what what they intend to do about the sticky stuff. And <clears throat> just to summarize. You know, if you're caught, if players or if pitchers are caught using a foreign substance on the baseball, they are ejected immediately and given a 10-game suspension with pay. Fantastic. Sounds like a, a call for arrest. If somebody needs a 
needs to rest for a couple of outings. You just, you know, put some stuff on the ball, hope you don't get caught. And if you do, well, you get a little break. Um, <clears throat> pitchers, starting pitchers will be subject to re- routine checks from the umpires. Relievers will be checked at the end of the inning or at the end of their outing if they're pulled during the inning. Uh, catchers can be spot checked and players can be spot checked. The responsibility for any substance found on the baseball belongs to the pitcher. So unless they specifically catch, say, a shortstop or a second baseman putting stuff on the baseball, if they find the baseball, they're going to assume it came from the pitcher. Whether the, whether he got it, for, whether the sticky, whether the catcher did it, or the pitcher did it, or the second baseman, or the first baseman, whomever, it doesn't matter. If there's sticky stuff on the baseball and they didn't see who did it, the pitcher's going to get ejected. It's just that simple. That's the rule. Um, first time violation, 10 games, it will get progressively worse from there. I don't know how it's going to go. 10, 20, 30, 10, 50, 100. I don't know. And that policy will be effective starting, I believe it's next Monday. So the, 20, the 21st of June becomes a magical date where you can no longer use sticky stuff. Never mind the fact that you all have played 70 games this season. And, um, and uh, you know, now all of a sudden you can't. So, look, other leagues have these issues as well, right? Where different points in the rule where the rule's not being enforced quite right. And this has not been enforced because umpires, players, this is common knowledge throughout the game. And somehow it has not been enforced. Other leagues have the same thing. And you'll hear in the beginning of the NFL season that, you know, referees and umpires have have been told that, Pass interference is a point of emphasis this year, and they'll bring teams will bring officials in to their inner to their scrimmages, and in the preseason they'll talk a lot to the referees, and the referees will talk to the to the different teams to tell them what the points of emphasis are and what's allowed and what's not allowed, and this, that, and the other thing. And look, that is that's the way it should be, but baseball does it in the middle of the season, which is is it's dumb. It's dumb. Don't do it in the middle of the season, right? Uh, the NFL does it. Points of emphasis. FIFA does it. They pick a you know their, their calendar year really goes from July first to June thirtieth, right? Their their fiscal year and their competition season, and so they implement rules effective July first, and they you know tweak they do a little tweak to the handball rule or a little tweak to the VAR. It's effective July 1st so that everyone plays a full season under the new rules, the new protocol, the new points of emphasis, right? Hockey does it every season. The NBA does it. I remember when they took the hand check rule out, right? That became a that became a thing. It started at the beginning of a season. Not baseball. Baseball picks June 21st because that's the magical point when we should stop this cheating. It's dumb. It's dumb. And, and, and I'll tell you why it's dumb. You have guys that are that, that, that have been using this stuff all year, and now they have to make an adjustment in the middle of the season. It's unfair to them. I know. I can, I can hear you, even though you're not here. But they're cheating. It's wrong anyway. I get it. But there's still a certain protocol that should be followed. 
do it at the beginning of the season. You knew it was a problem before the season started. You didn't look. You didn't need the data. You didn't need it. You could have just walked in a clubhouse and talked to the twenty-five guys, and you could have went to a game and talked to the four umpires, and you could have done this over a week in in spring training and gotten all the information you needed. However anecdotal it might have been, you could have gotten all the information you needed at that point. Right? And you could have quickly implemented something, just like you quickly implemented this, right? Or you could just wait until the end of the year and say, okay, for next season, this is going to be a point of emphasis. We're going to, we're going to actually enforce the no sticky stuff on the baseball rule. The no foreign substance on the baseball rule. Rule 3.02A or whatever it is, right? But instead, the geniuses at the MLB offices in New York decided June 21st. That's a good day to start. Why not July 1st? Why not June 15th? You knew this was a problem. You have two months of data from April and May. Why not implement it June 1st? Why not June 10th? Why not July 4th, let's start the new year. Let's start the country's, uh, celebrate the country's birthday with a bang. It's dumb. You're picking an arbitrary point during the middle of your season to change the rules. And it's, it's just, it's silly. It's silly. Now, on the flip side, your pitchers were cheating. Quit complaining. Be glad you didn't get suspended already. Deal with it. You weren't supposed to be using foreign substances on the baseball in the first place. You've known this since you were a little kid. Don't complain about the rule. You weren't supposed to be cheating anyway. The only thing MLB has done now is they've put an actual price tag on your cheating. 10 games. There you go. 10 games. 10 games. Before, it's happened before, right? Where pitchers have put stuff on the baseball. The umpires walked out there. They've looked at their hat and this, that, and the other thing and ejected a pitcher for putting foreign substance on the baseball. The matter then went to the MLB office and the MLB handed down a punishment. Five-game suspension, four-game suspension, six-game, whatever it was. The only thing that's changed now is that umpires are going to check regularly and we know the price tag for you cheating. Ten games. Bang. That's it. So, to the Tyler Glasnows and all the other pitchers that are complaining about this rule coming in, hey, you weren't supposed to be cheating in the first place. You cheater. You weren't supposed to be cheating. Right? Don't complain that the cop caught you for speeding. You weren't supposed to be speeding. Just because there's a cop there and you got caught, it's not boo-hoo the cop. It's you were speeding. You were the one speeding. It's your fault. You know, Tyler Glasnow talking about he busted his UCL because now he can't use a substance. What? What? So the ball's slipping out of your hand a little more? than it did a week ago is what caused your UCL to pop? I don't think so. The fact that you're 6'7", throwing 98 miles an hour, that might have had something to do with it. I hear 
that the torque on an elbow from throwing 98 mile an hour fastballs is quite strenuous. Tyler? I think that's what did it. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm not a doctor. I have, in fact, never, ever performed Tommy John surgery. I don't know the mechanics of the elbow. I do a little bit, but not enough. But not as a, not a doctor, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the fact that you throw 98 miles an hour 60, 70 times during a game and mix it in with 80 mile an hour curveballs for another 20 pitches during the course of a game and you do this every five days, that might have contributed. That might be why you busted your UCL. The fact that the ball slips out of your hand a little bit more now because you're not using tacky stuff has nothing to do with your UCL, buddy. There have been pitchers blowing out their elbows for the last 50 years. And back then they didn't use uh, spider tack. There's been a bunch of them that have blown out their elbows without using anything. Tommy John, the man who they named the surgery after, Tommy John himself probably didn't use anything. Maybe he did. I don't know. My point is, do not complain about the enforcement of a rule that's been a rule since the beginning of time that you've known about since you were a little kid. It's being enforced. Deal with it. And to blame your injury for that, you're being silly. You're being silly. You look like a buffoon. You, you look absolutely silly. It is ridiculous. Pitchers, stop complaining. They're enforcing the rule. Okay? They're enforcing the rule. If a bunch of umpires decided they were not going to call strikes, no matter where the pitch was, wouldn't you want MLB to come on, come on down and say, hey, you need to call strikes. You need to call the strike zone from the letters to the knees, the width of home plate. Wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want them to enforce the rules? Hey, here's another one. If all of the batters are corking their bats and MLB's just letting it go, and one day MLB decides, you know, there's a lot of home runs being hit lately. Exit velo is going through the roof. We got to start looking at bats. And they look at bats and they find a bunch of corked and they say, okay, listen here. Listen here, guys. On June 21st, no more corked bats. You pitchers would be jumping up and down. You'd be jumping for joy that they're enforcing the rule, right? The rule. You can't modify your bat that way. You would love it, right? No pitcher said, poor Sammy Sosa, he's going to get suspended for using a cork bat when he got busted. Not one pitcher said that. Not one. Not one pitcher said that. I promise you. I guarantee it. But yet, here you guys are all coming up, coming out, up in arms about the enforcement of a rule that's been around forever. I mean, it's rule three for crying out loud. I don't know how many rules there are on baseball, but if it's rule three, I'm going to guess it's one of the originals, right? Like, it's like one of the Ten Commandments. They put it on a stone tablet. They put it on a stone tablet and they've added some rules since then, but I mean, that's one of the basic rules. Look, just don't cheat. I understand we all want spin rate. I'm not saying don't take every advantage you can, play as hard as you can, push the limits of what you can and cannot do. Use the hell out of the rosin bag. I get it. 
I get it. But you can't complain about enforcement of a rule when you were cheating. It's just that simple. You were cheating. I mean, I just don't know how else. I don't know how else to frame it. You were cheating. Stop it. <laughs> just stop it. And if you hurt your arm because you were, you are no longer cheating. Look, your your arm was gonna bust anyway. Your arm was gonna bust at some point. I mean, I hate to be that flippant about your injury, Tyler Glasnow, but I mean, it's just it is what it is, you know. What are we complaining about here? Moral of the story is don't cheat. Boys and girls watching this, don't cheat. Just do it on your own. Don't cheat. <clears throat> Major League Baseball players are so persnickety. You know? Pitchers have been... Pitchers were complaining about the steroid guys. I mean, they were going... Bat shit crazy about guys walking up to the plate juiced to the gills. And 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 but we can put foreign substances on the baseball? I mean what? It just doesn't make sense to me why that is so much more egregious. Having that rule enforced is so much more egregious than the PED rule or the cork bat rule. It's just it's dumb. <clears throat> Stop complaining. MLB, stop making changes in the middle of the season. Stop it. You want to improve the game. I get it. Just don't do it in the middle of the season. You know when this is really going to become a problem? This is when, it, this is when it's going to become a problem. Here in the summer, it's not going to be that big a deal. It's not going to be that big a deal in the summer because the heat gives your hand that natural bit of moisture and stickiness to it, especially the humidity in some places. And so... You're not you you get pretty good grip in the summer. Wait till we get to October baseball, and you have a team like, you know, the Chicago White Sox in the playoffs, and you got to play on a cold night and you know, on Chicago's south side. It's gonna be hell to get a grip on those baseballs. Those baseballs become super slick when it's cold. The other time it's gonna be a problem is if it rains during the game, right? Um, that one's not as bad, but, and, and, and moreover, look, MLB, if you want to stop the use of foreign substances, make the baseballs uniform. Don't make them tighter one year. Don't make the seams higher another year and lower, you know, the following season. Just make it consistent baseball. How about that? How about that? Let's do that. Should we let the pitchers use the sticky, the sticky substance at Coors Field? You don't, you know, to kind of offset the altitude situation up there. I don't know. I'm gonna go on a limb and say no. <laughs> I think that's a bad idea. But uh, look, the pitchers are gonna want every advantage they can get their hands on, and I'm sure that out there they're really gonna want it. Um, but stop cheating. Just stop cheating. How about that? And MLB, stop making changes of this kind of magnitude in the middle of the season. And batters, look out. Because now that the pitchers don't have the same kind of grip, bean balls are coming. They say there's no correlation between the increased use of sticky stuff and, um, and hit batters. But I would beg to differ. Did anyone check the guy that hit Pilar in the face? Was he using sticky stuff? He must not have been. Because he... Fired a fastball right at that guy's face. Um, so, 
he must he either was not using the right sticky stuff or was not using sticky stuff. He's a reliever. So maybe that was it. I don't know. Anyway, that's all I have on that. Injuries in the NBA. We still have great we still have great five game five and game six and possible game sevens and three series. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I hope Chris Paul gets out of the COVID protocol as soon as possible. I would hate for the Suns to be down a man. Um, a key, such a key person uh, when the Western Conference Finals start. And look, I say that about Chris Paul, but I, I wish the best for Kawhi Leonard. I want to see him back on the court because I think the game's more entertaining with him there, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, I want James Harden and, and Kyrie Irving back because that series has been great. And with those two, you know, it becomes a bit of a track meet with the Nets. You know, it's running up and down the court, scoring 150 points a game. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, Joel Embiid is, you know, was arguably the MVP this year. So, yeah, I want to see that guy on the court. Get healthy, Joel. I want to see you on the court. I want to see you uh, finish out this series. I think you're going to win the series. And, of course, I'd want to see you in the Western Conference Finals. Pitchers, stop cheating. Stop complaining about enforcement of rules that you already knew about. And MLB, stop making changes during the middle of the season. Please stop making changes in the middle of the season. I hate it. And so do the most players and most fans. As always, folks, thank you very much for watching, listening, subscribing, commenting, liking, interacting with us, tweeting at us, whatever it is. Uh, we love your support of the Positive Sports Podcast. I know it's been a little spotty here. We, Alex and I have been super busy with other stuff, family, jobs, Blah, blah, blah. Nothing nothing that will excite you, believe me. But we try to get this to you as much as we can, at least once a week. And here I am providing commentary on the NBA playoffs and Major League Baseball's new foreign substance policy. I hope everyone has a great week. Hey, we're coming up on Father's Day. This weekend is Father's Day. Go out, celebrate your dad. I celebrate my dad. Dad, I love you immensely. Uh, one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, I don't know what I would do without you. I am so lucky. I am so, so blessed to have had you be my dad, to have you in my life for all these years. It has been a complete joy, except for those times you grounded me. Uh, but I love you a bunch. Have a very, very happy Father's Day. For all of you out there, please celebrate your dads, celebrate your uncles and and grandfathers, celebrate all the men in your life that are that are fathers. They've done a tremendous job at what they do. And, um, <clears throat> you know, go out and enjoy your Father's Day. Uh, you know, be nice to your dad. Have a shot of whiskey with him. I think, I'll, I think I'm going to try that this year with my dad. I'm going to have a shot of something just to celebrate, just to just say Happy Father's Day. So say Happy Father's Day to all the men in your life who happen to be dads. And, um, hey, as always, folks... Ignore the negativity. Be the positivity. Peace.